Hello and welcome to the North Pole, the election podcast from the North about the North. My name is Jen Williams and I'm joined once again by three expert election watchers to chew over the campaign so far. With me in the studio is Ian Warren, election analyst extraordinaire, pollster, co-founder of the Think Tank Centre for Towns and a Bolton lad to boot. Welcome Ian. Hello. Dialing in we've got John Walker, political editor at the Newcastle Chronicle and Journal. Hello John. Hello. And we also have Nancy Fielder, editor of the Sheffield Star. Hi Nancy. Hello. Hello. Um, So although this election campaign is apparently supposed to be all about Brexit, uh, certainly some of the bigger stories swirling around it over the last week have been uh, about other issues. We've had Labour's eye-catching broadband announcement, which would see part of BT nationalised and fibre optic rolled out across the country. Uh, Horrendous NHS performance figures on Thursday and the re-emergence of the debate on fire safety after a terrifying blaze in uh, Bolton student flat at the weekend. Um, which saw Boris Johnson return to Greater Manchester less than 24 hours after he'd launched his battle bus in Middleton. So with Labour's manifesto launch coming up uh, later this week, we wanted to focus a little on non-Brexit issues in this week's edition. But first, Ian, I know you've been closely watching how things are looking on the ground in this so-called red wall of Tory target seats in the north. What's your sense of the way things are kind of panning out at the moment there? Okay, so nationally, the, the lead for the Conservatives is between 10 and 14, 15 points. And if you project that out into the region, the north, um, what you see is that Labour is able to hold on to its seats with the biggest majorities right now, which tend to be in the cities Mm. or close to the cities, and that it's struggling to hold on to seats in surrounding towns or outlying towns. So in the north-east, for example, it will hold on to seats in Newcastle, Sunderland. It will lose probably Bishop Auckland, Darlington, Sedgefield, Stockton. Um, and there was close elections in Hartlepool, uh, Redcar, Stockton North. Uh, in the northwest, it will hold on to seats in Manchester and Liverpool and the surrounding areas, but lose seats in Barrow, Blackpool, Bury, Crewe and Nantwich, Weaver Vale, Workington, mm-hmm. and, sh- and there'll be close elections in Bolton, Burnley, Bury, Haywood, Middleton, Hindburn, Lee, etc. Yorkshire and the Humber, it will hold on to seats in Leeds. Most of the seats in Sheffield and most of the seats in Bradford, but lose seats potentially in Grimsby, Keithley, Wather Valley, Scunthorpe, Wakefield. And what's underneath that broad trend is that the places that Labour is losing traction are the places which are ageing really rapidly. And given that Labour is about 40 points down on the Conservatives amongst older voters, the places which age most rapidly are the places where they lose traction and are projected to continue to lose traction and that I suggest is what we're going to see right now of course things can change it's a 10-15 point lead now if it, be- if it becomes an 8-10 point lead or 6-8 point lead some of these seats move back towards Labour more friendly towards Labour so we may be at like a peak Tory point right now and that lead could narrow certainly Labour would hope that it narrows and if it does some of the seats I've described there in the town's are more friendly towards Labour. But the broad trend right now is Labour's vote contracting into the cities and the surrounding areas and it losing traction and seats in surrounding towns. Mm. So you you started off talking about the North East there. And um, John, you're, you're our first uh, North East expert that we've had onto the pod since we started it out. Does what Ian is saying there kind of fit with your sense of what's happening on the ground in the North East? What he's saying there is really interesting. And to be honest, it sounds worse for Labour than I'd realised. Um, 
based on what he's saying. Uh, I mean, for example, we knew that Bishop Auckland was very much in play and was a target seat for the Tories. Now, someone like Sedgefield, if the Tories are going to have a real chance of uh, taking that from Labour, then I think they're doing extremely well. I, I was actually speaking to uh, a North East uh, Conservative campaigner who was telling me that he thought the party's best hope was not in the, the North East, but was more in uh, the Pennines, he claimed, was uh, the, the battlefield. So... Uh, Rother Valley, who I think we've mentioned, um, Calder Valley, Cone Valley, all these places with uh, valley in the name. He seemed to think that the uh, the Red Wall was very much uh, in play, what we call the Red Wall, those red Labour-held constituencies at the top of England, which run from the uh, east to the west. But um, I hadn't realised that the North East was in play to, to that extent. And I think uh, Conservative campaigners who heard that would be very pleased. A lot of Labour campaigners are pessimistic, but that really depends on how they feel about Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, some of them will say that um, on the doorstep, they're getting a very bad reaction from voters who don't like Jeremy Corbyn. But they will also say that that doesn't mean that voters are ready to switch to the Tories. Uh, th the thing is, though, that we tend to look at this in terms of who's going to switch, our voters going to switch from one party to the other. But it's not all about switching. If your voters are unhappy, if they're going to stay at home and not turn out to vote for you, then that helps the other side a lot too. And what I think you might see is a lot of Labour voters not being very motivated to turn out on a, a cold uh, December evening, uh, whereas the Tories perhaps are more, and the Brexiteers perhaps, are more motivated to actually go to the polling station. Yeah, I've, I've had that sense from talking to uh, Labour people who've been out of the doorstep around here, including in places that are not the kinds of places that you're talking about, parts of Manchester, where, you know, Labour shouldn't really be in any, any difficulty. Still some antipathy on the doorstep towards Jeremy Corbyn, but people kind of grudgingly saying, oh, well, I might vote Labour anyway, or I just might not. I just might not bother. I think what you, you hear from, from Labour, certainly Labour people is that people have moved from Labour to don't know. Mm. Okay, now that mm. makes Labour people very nervous because these are traditionally Labour voters, they, they will have recorded as voting Labour election after election after election, moving into the don't know column, mm. which could mean Brexit Party in some seats, it could mean uh, Conservative in some seats, could mean Lib Dems, it could mean just staying at home, like like's been mentioned, that... In some respects, in some places, <laughs> Labour might prefer them to stay at home than yeah, come out to vote for the Conservative or Brexit Party, right? Yeah, so yeah. they don't know voters are what makes people nervous, but also makes it quite interesting because we're going to need to know where they are moving, right, if they are moving. Mm. Nancy, obviously, um, you're Sheffield Star. How much of your, um, your patch, as it were, is the kind of city voters that Ian's talking about. So Sheffield, obviously, you've got a kind of um, a strong university population there as well. And some of these other kind of more outlying pla pla uh, places that might be looking to potentially switch. Yeah, I think it's quite an interesting picture in South Yorkshire. We have um, potential for, well, we had six Labour MPs um, for the first time in a long time for Sheffield at the last um, election. Then we had the... Massive mess that is Sheffield Hallam that I'll come on to in a minute. And then obviously um, we lost one Labour um, who kind of left switch parties various various points and has now gone off to stand somewhere else. So I think there's a very good chance that in Sheffield we will get five um, Labour MPs. I think Sheffield Hallam is 
or if I was a betting woman, I would put my money on the Lib Dems because they've done a fantastic local campaign and they've been campaigning since the very last election. Um, and I think they will. Labour really have completely messed up there um, for all sorts of reasons. And I think that there's not a chance that that will stay Labour now. Um, sort of more widely, I think Doncaster is really interesting. Doncaster was very pro-Brexit. Um, and I think you sort of the, the older people you're talking about who kind of are a bit... <laughs> They're fed up with Jeremy Corbyn. They don't see that as the way forward. And they might have started to fall for the the Conservatives or the working man's friend and we're on your side and we're going to do all these things until the flood struck. And I think it's been quite interesting. The awful lack of response has been a real, real problem um, for the Conservatives. I think for the Prime Minister in particular, he could have played that in a completely different way and convinced those voters to vote, vote Conservative for the first time and what he's done is the opposite. And the noise we hear um, from out of, sort of certain areas of Rotherham and Doncaster is like, oh, we've now been reminded that they don't care. They might have been saying they cared, but actually we've, we've got the evidence now that we don't. And it's given us a bit of a shock and reminded us sort of where our loyalties have traditionally lay. Um, so I think if you put Brexit aside, I think it's more obvious. Add Brexit in and it obviously gets more complicated. Um, but I think I think Sheffield probably there won't be any major shocks um, like there were last time. But I think it's all to play for in some of the outlying towns around here. Yeah, it's really interesting that you should say that about the floods because obviously it's your area and not mine that's been affected by that. But that was also my instinct about how the Conservative response would go down in that Boris Johnson can't be expected to stop uh, the rain from falling but he can go there and look like he actually cares about it and be kind of fleet of foot on it and they weren't and I had wondered whether that would have any effect on kind of on voting intention intention it's also uh, an interesting example of how politicians can't control what happens um, during campaigns but it's also an interesting an example of something that is not Brexit which could potentially ha- uh, be a factor in uh, the election so I kind of wanted to come on to um, some other of these underreported or at least under, perhaps under-discussed so far in this campaign issues. Um, here's a clip from Boris Johnson talking outside uh, Downing Street after he became Prime Minister in July and see if you can spot the, uh, the issue that, uh, that in particular has not been mentioned very much since. My job is to make sure you don't have to wait three weeks to see your GP. And we start work this week with 20 new hospital upgrades and ensuring that the money for the NHS really does get to the front line. My job is to protect you or your parents or grandparents from the fear of having to sell your home to pay for the costs of care. And so I am announcing now on the steps of Downing Street that we will fix the crisis in social care once and for all with a clear plan we have prepared to give every older person the dignity and security they deserve. So uh, for me, the thing that stands out in that clip is uh, he is talking about social care, um, clearly a massive uh, structural problem within the NHS, one that's come out of the, partly come out of the local government cuts of the last nine years, but also rising uh, demand from an ageing uh, population. We've had a lot of parties promise reform in the past and not very much has happened. Um, that's one of my many bugbears of things which I think needs to be returned to in this campaign. Um, Ian, is there anything that kind of jumps out um, at you from um, your research among voters that when you strip, well, how, how, how much... Is it true that this is the Brexit election, firstly? And secondly, aside from Brexit, what do you think people are wanting to really talk about? Well, it's an interesting point in the polling is that if you ask people what the most important issue is, 
they will of course say Brexit because it's what they see in the news, on the television. Um, if you ask people what's most important to them in their lives, you get a much lower number for Brexit. You get people talking about childcare. Crime, which is not just knife crime, but crime more generally, is a sort of quiet issue in the election, but of sufficient importance to get people's attention. And I know that some of the parties locally are running on mm-hmm. crime issues. Uh, the environment generally is now more important as an issue than it has ever been. So you would think it's a fertile fertile election for the Green Party, for example, and particularly um, with the flooding uh, that we've seen, etc., that the environment is a good issue for the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats and the Green Party as well. The Green Party don't seem to be any making any headway at all with voters on that issue. Um, high streets, devolution, towns, of course, I would say that is in the sense of the towns, but the... Devolution itself, the nature of devolution, the settlement which gives some parts of the country some devolved powers and other places don't have anything, that still hasn't been fully explored in the election. I'm going to be looking very closely at the manifesto around what kind of manif- what kind of devolution the parties envisage, whether they are thinking about more city region type deals or they're going much more local around town deals i've heard that the conservatives are quite keen on town deals and we've heard both parties talking about the importance of towns in the election and they are a crucial uh, place in the election a lot of swing voters in those places so those are the kinds of issues that have not yet come to the fore in my opinion yeah i think the devolution thing is really interesting because this the whole issue about the union is uh, more to the fore in this election than we've well, but certainly than I've ever seen it. Um, and But then you throw into the mix the sense that Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales to some extent now uh, are, are kind of jittery about their role in the union. You also put the North into that equation as well. Um, that's a factor that hasn't really been, as you say, talked about all that much yet, but I feel as though probably um, should come to the fore a bit more. Um, Nancy, is that what's the feeling in, in Sheffield around kind of local autonomy and around being distant from Westminster and is are there any kind of particular issues that from where you're sitting voters would like to hear talked about but kind of haven't been so far? Yeah so to take that in sort of two halves devolution in South Yorkshire is a mess so it's been going on for years and years we've got an, we've got we had a deal various areas fell out various towns came out of the deal um, and then we had. Then there was a whole One Yorkshire discussion. Doncaster and Barnes they wanted to go into One Yorkshire. Sheffield and Rotherham wanted to say it. Literally, is sort of the perfect example that David Cameron laughed about, saying we realised people in Yorkshire didn't like the rest of the country, but actually they don't really like each other very much. And I think that really probably bottom of the priority list here because I think, well, in terms of Labour having done a bad job, you've got four Labour councils, you've got a elected mayor who is Labour and you've got Labour MPs and they can't get that deal signed and we're losing out on millions from it. I think people have literally shook their head and gone, well, it's not helping us. They can't get their act together. So let's look at other things. So I think in terms of real people priorities, it's schools. We've got the worst funded schools in Sheffield in the whole country. We've got classes that have got no teaching assistance at all. We've got children living in absolute poverty. And the hospitals are creaking at the seams. Um, I think it's, it's a real issue about that. And I think part of the what makes it so interesting is actually when you've got strong labour holds in your local authorities and in your MPs, but a conservative government, where does the blame 
for that lie. You can talk about authority, but actually when it's your kid and, and, you, and you're after the help from your local authority, it, it, you, you're asking for labour help, generally speaking, in South Yorkshire. So I think there's a real sort of, there's a real battle going on there. People kind of just so fed up, they blame the powers that be and who, what does that mean? So I think it'd be really interesting whether people are just so disillusioned, it comes down to who they're most fed up with rather than who actually they believe and who they want to get behind, which is a very sad state of affairs. But it does, a lot of people you speak to are just really, really disillusioned and feel nobody's really got their back. I think you said before, haven't you, Ian, that there's there's a kind of like interesting local government factor in this about areas that may have kind of fairly recently moved from Labour to Conservative in local government. How much of that is a trend that continues through into the general potentially? Yeah, it could. I think if you have a council which has recently moved to Conservative control, and local people generally are satisfied with what's happened in the very early stages of local control from a Conservative council, then that could interact with people's willingness to vote for the Conservatives in the general election. You see that in Bolton, which has just become a Conservative council. Broadly speaking, the council is... Uh, people are satisfied with how the, the council is, is going at the moment, and we have a couple of seats in Bolton which are very key. And if people are reassured by Conservative local control of a council, then I wonder whether they're then less likely to sort of not vote Conservative or more likely to... Completely write them off. Yeah, and there are other councils in the country as well which have changed control or gone to Conservative control, and I wonder whether the success of the local council interacts with how people are going to vote in this general election. John, during um, Conservative Party conference, uh, there was a lot of talk, again, about improving um, northern transport infrastructure. And the thing that really struck me in the panel debate that I was in was that uh, all of the delegates, all the Tory delegates that put their hands up and said that they didn't really feel like northern transport planning um, and uh, proposals were working for the northeast and were considering the um, the northeast um, were, were were helping their area were from the northeast. They were Tory delegates putting their hands up and saying, "Where is the northeast in all of this?" Is there a sense within the northeast, kind of politically, that they're a little bit out on the limb and not necessarily included in the kind of grand northern plans that get talked about? Oh, there's de- very much that sense um, that when people talk about the north, they talk about. Manchester and Leeds and Yorkshire and the North East is kind of forgotten about and is not really included in these in plans. And you can see it in the Transport for the North proposals. I mean, they they don't entirely ignore the North East, but it's all about um, a great, fantastic new rail line between Leeds and Manchester. And, and really, uh, Leeds is pretty far south, to be honest, when you're in Newcastle, that's how it appears. Um, and you can make the argument, you can sort of explain how, well, actually, this will benefit uh, the northeast. It will benefit uh, Darlington, Durham, Newcastle, and lines will be improved. But they're not really part of this, not really part of the project. Um, so there is a, a big sense in the northeast that uh, they are being neglected. Having said that, the local uh, council leader in Newcastle, Nick Forbes, is very keen on Northern Powerhouse Rail. It's been really interesting the way that the north's leaders including the North East and other parts of the North, including Yorkshire, have managed to stick together and are doing actually, I think, a really effective job of um, lobbying the government. So those, there's a bit of a dichotomy. There's a dilemma for the North East. Do they complain that they're not really being included because they feel that they're not? Or is it in their interest to stick together, to work very much with the other Northern leaders and try and get the best that they can out of it. And uh, I think they've chosen to take the second approach as a general rule. 
you know, I, I, I was really struck um, by uh, the way that the Tories have sort of latched onto this agenda, the, the idea of regional inequality. Boris Johnson, in his speech to the CBI, started talking about um, the enormous injustices of how certain parts of the country are neglected, how life expectancy is uh, much shorter in some parts. So he says there's parts of the country where people's lives are a decade shorter than elsewhere. And he's talking about parts of the north compared to parts of the wealthiest bits of London and and the southeast. And um, so he's trying to portray himself as sort of the champion of the the north and the midlands. Um, But of course, he's ignoring the fact that his own party has been in power for nine years and uh, presumably should take a share of the responsibility for the situation. But he's portraying himself very much as sort of the outsider, almost as a, an opposition politician. But you do see the Tories as, as well as Labour, and I know you've written, Jennifer, about Labour's plans to devolve all sorts of economic institutions to parts of the North. And again, the North East, it sounds as if we may not be included in that. I suspect a lot of that is going to go to Manchester and good for you, but um, I, I suspect it's not going to go to Newcastle. But you are seeing both major parties trying to make justice for the North and fairness for the North part of their election manifesto, which is interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And you do get the sense that both parties have latched onto this. Um, I mean, some of what Boris Johnson was saying in that CBI speech and also some of what he was saying in his Manchester speech immediately after he became um, prime minister has a kind of reasonable overlap in terms of rhetoric with what Bob Kerslake is saying in, in his UK 2070 report. And of course, Bob Kerslake is an advisor to John McDonnell. So there's, there is, there's a kind of big overlap in some of the messaging that's coming out of both parties in terms of um, uh, northern unfairness and justices, as, as you say. Is there anything in the northeast kind of beyond the issues that we've talked about that you think is particularly of concern up there? I mean, I wonder whether a sense that transport... Uh, investment hasn't reached the northeast is a big bugbear or is it or is it actually you know in a very brexit voting area is actually brexit the biggest issue on the doorstep do you think in the northeast in this election well it depends who you speak to i mean tories will insist that um this is a brexit election um but there are lots of i mean you've got the issue of transport you've got the issue of uh northern rail which affects us as well as uh the northwest um, you've got getting those uh, pacer trains off the uh, off the tracks and getting the new trains in. Uh, you've got um, big demand from a uh, number of the MPs and uh, council leaders, at least, to um, improve the uh, East Coast Main Line. I, I, I'd also just highlight very quickly, if I may, uh, policing, uh, the effects of um, benefits, uh, I say changes rather than cuts, because there are cuts to benefits, but also the uh, impact of universal credit. You can see things like rent arrears have gone up. Councils are not able to collect the rent because uh, residents don't have the money to pay. Uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, amazing. There are all sorts of issues like that which are affecting people's lives, which um, haven't really had much of a mention in this campaign, I think. Yeah, I would. I, I think Ian mentioned earlier on that the issue around um, policing and crime is not just a knife crime issue, it's a low-level crime issue. And actually in Greater Manchester, we're at the point now where essentially Greater Manchester Police just says, well, you know, if it's low-level crime and we don't come out to you, well, we just can't, we haven't got the money, and of. Which seems kind of extraordinary, really, that you can, that, that police forces would be 
would be saying that and that is a big issue on the doorstep i hear that that comes up a lot in the local elections election time that when people are asked locally what are your concerns it's the low level crime it's the antisocial behavior stuff it's the stuff that tony blair understood with his asbos um because because it's the people that are most affected by that that actually you know could potentially to um decide this election in 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 many seats um so Thank you for that uh, uh, fascinating discussion uh, on why it's not a Brexit election. Yay. Um, but, but I just wanted to end with the, the TV debates uh, will kick off in earnest tonight in Salford. Um, we're recording this, obviously, before they've taken place, so we can't kind of necessarily speculate on what will happen and what the news lines will be from it. But I just wanted to get everybody's opinion on whether we think that these TV, TV debates are going to be as significant for the course of the campaign as uh, as perhaps has been suggested. What do you think, Ian? I don't really care about the TV debate, to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of what effect it might have, the evidence is fairly patchy on in terms of the, you know, the impact of TV debates, generally speaking. Um, and we've got two candidates here that people really know quite well. So that there aren't any... Surprises that, that, that jump out mm. uh, at me, certainly. Well, where to see what is said. I think what it may do is, for some people, kickstart the general election campaign proper. You know, for, at the present, we're, we're, before the manifestos have come out, people are switched on, switched off. A TV debate, nationally televised TV debate, sort of may kickstart the campaign for the general public more widely so it may get people's attention on that basis i don't think i expect to learn anything uh, from jeremy corbyn or boris johnson i know what i know about those people uh, it may be interesting to see how they are choosing to go at each other whether they are speaking to the country or speaking to each other that might be interesting it might be a marker for how each person sees the election campaign coming on if Boris goes after Jeremy on, I don't know, terrorism or other things. It may, it may foretell their approach more generally. Um, if he's speaking to the country and trying to s- say some of the things he said in his uh, speech that you talked about, then he's obviously speaking to the country and he's not going to go after Jeremy. Again, I'd, I'm sceptical about the impact it's going to have, we'll wait and see, but uh, we know enough about the two candidates at the moment that I don't think it's going to make a massive difference. And you don't care anyway? I don't. No. Uh, Nancy, one of, the, one of the good things about the, the era of online journalism is you do kind of actually get a sense of what your readers are interested in. Um, Nancy, do you get the sense that your, your readers are kind of, by and large, there's a lot of interest in the debates this evening? No, I think I pretty much agree with what's already been said. I think the only big winner I can think about over the years has been Sheffield former MP Nick Clegg. But it was because he was almost an unknown. I think we all feel like we know these two leaders really well. Um, I mean, I think there's potential for them to lose a lot of popularity depending what they focus on. Is it going to be Brexit obsessed? Are they going to be sort of doing the attacking sort of politics that people have really got fed up with? Um, or are they going to come out with positive stuff that, as you've already said, has largely gone undiscussed um, and needs tackling so I think the potential's there but I don't think anybody's, I think everybody's a bit jaded and I'm not sure um, there's likely to be many votes won or lost with this kind of thing really. I also think kind of whatever they say there is a large amount of put put your money on the table and prove yourself. We've heard a lot of sort of promises and, and sort of comments that sound like there's a lot of 
thought and money behind them, but they're not actually even promises. So I think they're going to have to pull some absolute master strokes to make this work for them. And I'm not sure either of them have got that in them, to be fair. Are you going to be tuning in, John? Do you think it would make any difference this debate this evening? I, I will be tuning in. I, I have to say, uh, from what I can recall at the last election, um, viewers did take an interest. I mean, based on sort of what our readers were, were reading, the type of stories they were reading, they were interested um, uh, in previous debates. Um, I think in the past, and I, I'm trying to struggling to remember exactly what happened in 2017. I can't remember if we had proper debates or not. But I think in 2017, people were still trying to make up their minds about Jeremy Corbyn. And I think his TV interviews um, may have, have helped him a lot because people sort of had heard of this guy and they'd heard all sorts of terrible stories about him. And when they got to see him on the telly, I, I think a lot of people thought, hang on, he's not half as bad as everybody said. And I think it really helped him. But I think this time, as um, I think somebody just said, people have made up their minds. So I don't think this time around... Uh, debates or TV appearances are going to change many people's minds. I think people already know what they think. I would just say, going back to um, Nick Clegg, people always highlight Nick Clegg as the example of how debates can make a difference. But um, sorry to be a, a little bit sort of contrary here, but uh, if you look at what happened after those debates where we had Clegg mania and he seems to do extremely well, the Lib Dems share of the vote went up by 1% compared to the previous election and the party actually lost seats and that's what happens when you do really well in a debate so that suggests that possibly um the debates don't actually make a lot of difference to the final outcome yeah i mean i wondered presumably there'll be um uh, further de debates down the line that don't just have jeremy corbyn and boris johnson and possibly there will be figures in those debates who are like less of a known quality to the electorate somebody like joe swinton but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go their way but it does at least potentially present something new to the electorate that maybe that they hadn't seen before i think in 2017 we had Theresa may ducking the debates of course yes. which yeah, may have had a sort of small impact in terms of well, she's not prepared to stand up for herself, and Jeremy was, and mm. he, there was a, I think there were seven people on the TV debates in 2017, and Theresa May wasn't there. I think Amber Rudd represented. Amber Rudd did represent. Yeah, I think um, also I think if it, we've not had TV debates that long in this country, but they're a bit less of a novelty than they were when they first materialised. And we've had such a, a run of elections as well, haven't we? Because we had the Tory leadership um, TV debates as well, uh, which were kind of not particularly kind of anything much. Uh, I don't think they kind of set the world on fire particularly. So I don't know whether maybe people are just kind of like less excitable about them now as well than maybe they were when they first started. But either way, I'm going to be um, going and lurking around Media City tonight to see... Uh, whatever it is that goes down and for all, for all we know this time next week we could be sat here talking about some massive cataclysmic yeah. thing that came out of the debates um thank you all for joining uh, me today for the north pole um please tune in next week by which time we will have had the labor manifesto and possibly the conservative manifesto as well um but for the time being enjoy the next week take care bye-bye <laughs>